And coming back to your why, why are you setting up a business? Like what, why do you want to set up a business? Is it just to make money or is there a bigger purpose and value and legacy behind what you're doing as well? Hey everyone, my name is Sophia and welcome to the Click Collective podcast, I Started a Business. This show is all about inspiring, encouraging and motivating e-commerce enthusiasts and entrepreneurs by sharing successful small business stories. Click Collective is the first co-working space built around the needs of an e-commerce community and we're home to some pretty cool brands. Each episode, we'll sit down with one of our members and chat about their journey, why they started, how they're going, their highs and lows and everything in between. This episode, we chat with Natalie Matthews, the founder of Hyder Fashion, a stylish clothing business providing a body positive experience for tall women. Hey, Natalie. How are you? Hey, Sophia. I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm pretty good. Are you excited to finally be on our podcast? I'm so excited. I've been waiting for weeks to get onto this. Yeah. Well, welcome. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. Let's start off with the basics, just who you are, what your business is. Yeah. Sure. My name is Natalie, uh, Natalie Matthews, and I am the founder of Height of Fashion, which is a tall clothing company for tall women. Hopefully that makes sense of them. And that yeah. I designed it that way too, right? To actually um, be a bit of a smart name as well to make sure and have a bit of cut through in the business as well, like in, in the search terms and SEO and Google. So yeah, that's a little bit of a backstory behind the name as well. Yeah, love that. Love that. Um, why did you start Hyder Fashion? I guess it's quite obvious, but... Obvious <laughs> when you meet me. <laughs> it is, yeah. Obvious when you meet me, but I guess if you haven't met me before, yeah, it's like, oh, why do you do that? So I'm 6'3", which makes sense. So very, very tall. Struggled with clothes my whole life, basically. And um, yeah, when I was 14, I decided that I was going to start a business in the clothing industry, in the rag trade, just because I've really struggled back in uh, the UK, obviously, where I'm from originally. Um, there was just wasn't anything for anybody that was sexy, appealing, and that I loved. Um, and so, yeah, basically, I was like, that's it. I'm going to set up a business one day. And then uh, I just did. I think, well, I'll give you a bit of story and a backstory to that around that. It was only when I moved here that I, I was working for e-commerce and in tech as well that... Um, I got the confidence basically to set up. I saw all of the how to set up a website, what went on with websites, when you know how to sell online, um, how to take payments online. Basically, built all of that side of things for big companies here um, and for other big retailers here in Australia. And that's kind of when I was like, well, they've got that skill. I've got the marketing skill as well. The next step was really just to kind of get a manufacturer and design it and produce it. And then, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it all came together, really. It was just, yeah. it was sort of taking my skill sets from year on year, what I'd learned over the years, and then just putting it all together into into a fully-fledged business. Yeah, amazing. So, like, how did you find, like, the perfect manufacturer, especially with the sizes that you have to go through? It's just, they're, they're obviously not normal sizes. So, how did you find the perfect manufacturer? Well, gosh, it took me about two years. To, I went through about eight different manufacturers. Wow. I just, I tested, trialed. Found lots of different ones in China. I knew China was going to be the place I wanted to go to. I tried to find something here in Australia. And also, everybody asked me to kind of be, you know, was it Australian made? And I did. I genuinely looked at uh, manufacturing here, but the cost was just absolutely colossal. I just, there was no way that I was going to be able to actually fund a business and uh, sustain a business long term with the costs and everything that was here. And plus, China still is by far one of the best places in the world for production and fabric production. Um, They still do it the most cost effectively. They still do it the best. And um, yeah, despite what a lot of people think, uh, yeah, it's... 
it's still the biggest place in the world to sort of produce uh, manufacture clothes. Yeah, perfect. What made you decide to start your business in Australia rather than the UK? Um, I think that was probably fluke of you know coming over here and working for e-commerce companies and tech companies here and just learning that whole background around you know the frameworks the wireframes the setup the structure warehousing all sorts of things I was working in that for like a good sort of four or five years um, and doing it you know being paid to do that to as as an employee for some big companies here in Australia and I think it was just really learning that that information and and having that network as well um, really did help me and I think had I done this in the UK I probably wouldn't have followed that path as much you know I kind of fell into e-commerce and um, the tech world just based on I had to find a job when I was I was on PR you know I didn't I was only I was sponsored here I was I didn't come over and was like right that's it I can set up a business here I had to kind of go through the rigmarole of getting a visa, getting PR, and then eventually getting citizenship. So I had a, a huge amount of time to sort of wait for um, all of that to kind of come together for me before I could then actually really start the business. But in the meantime, I'd obviously was working for these big companies and just learning all the skills, taking everything yep. in, and also making other businesses like billions and millions of dollars, you know, optimizing um all of their websites, optimizing ways that they could get sales, marketing, helping them through new tech builds, ways that they could sell, you know, into marketplaces, channels, all sorts of things. So I've kind of got a huge repertoire of like skill set as a result. Yeah. And I think that was only really kind of understanding that world that I was like, well, I've got the confidence. I've actually got the skill set. Let's the next steps for me to do it for myself. Yeah, perfect. And when you started Hide of Fashion, were you just doing it out of like your house or did you, because you've been with Click for a while now yeah, um, and recently moved to Moorabbin, which is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, where did you start? Like how how did it go, like the process of everything before you started, I guess? Yeah, I guess that that even kind of was quite daunting for me because I sort of designed this collection and I've always kind of designed clothes as well. So I've always made clothes. I learned to sew at 14. was about 13 14 and so like I literally I couldn't find clothes that fitted me back in the day and still can't now sometimes that's hence why I'm in this business right and um yeah so it was I kind of knew how to sew I knew how to put collections together and obviously I'd found these manufacturers I'd kind of tended to them and uh, it was like giving them lots of different samples and obviously I had a bit of savings behind me by this point and just was testing and trialing seeing the options and then I'd had like these five products and then all of a sudden I was like, yep, they're all approved. And I'm like, oh my God, like what the hell am I doing? I'm like, and the minimum quantity was quite a lot. And I was like, yeah, why not? Let's yeah. just go for it. You know, and 100% I was like, OMG, like where am I actually going to put all these products? So like, <laughs> at the time I was in a house share as well. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so I got all these products turning off my door and I'm like... Um, so my housemate's like, yeah, this is just a small business adventure. (laughs) Now look at you. (laughs) 100%. They were like, I could just tell they were just not very happy about it, but also really supportive. And it's just that kind of backstory that goes goes with it, really. Had this been like my parents' house, I think they would have gone in the garage or like the spare room or something. But it's so different when you're here in a different country, basically trying to like you know rob peter to pay paul and also just really kind of make everything work within your sort of like shifting moving parts life and uh, so yeah I, I basically kind of designed these five products set up a website in the back end and was just kind of doing all the fulfillment from my house yeah 100 percent. i think 
I don't know any business that hasn't done that, you know, yeah. like particularly from the get-go in the startup side of the world, you know, and I think that's kind of the fun story around it. And that's, I, I, I mean, it's a little bit embarrassing at times, but like you're also like, well, do you know what? Look how far I've come. So yeah. I think it's I think it's about that journey. And you kind of need to go through that because, you know, the first, and I've said this, I've done this, you know, many business podcasts and done lots of different um, chats. And there is a real misconception around, you know, you're going to make it straight away. It takes a bloody, what, 18 months to 24 months to really get any traction in any, any kind of business, even an e-com business. And I think it's just about giving you that time, that leverage to really, you know, understand the market, understand your customer, understand what works and what doesn't, fix it and try and tweak it and just trying to make some money, you know, like it's very, you know, I mean, even talking to Harry and other people around Click, it's, it's all about money. You know, you really, need to be able to making a profit to be able to then fund and pay for more things so yeah I had to I had to do I had to do the bootstrap thing absolutely I still do in some aspects so um but yeah I'm still proud of that journey yeah that's amazing that's so good um and do you think like the community around click has like helped inspire you in some ways like seeing any other e-commerce businesses around especially I think more so in Moorabbin now that you've moved over yeah. um there's so many more businesses compared to Kensington but do you yeah are you happy with the community here like yeah love how's it. The been? yeah I mean for me the move been amazing I think it was a level up that I needed I think it's I, immediately I mean even just like walking in I feel more you know, more professional. And it's just, it's just a different vibe. It's just a different community here. And I think there's more people and there's more happening here and everyone is just doing something different. So there's just that competition almost, not as in direct competition. It's just the competition to sort of better yourself, become, you know, make the, the business bigger, grow bigger, you know, get more orders in, get more orders out and actually just be seen to be sort of being a bit of a thought leader in a bigger community, in a bigger space. And I think you do jump and vibe off each other. And I think you definitely do, um, you know, you help each other. You understand. I mean, I've already had like three or four businesses come and speak to me and just say, how are you doing this? And, you know, what's going on with your marketing, your funnels? You know, how are you sort of like growing and expanding and looking at sort of paid advertising? So, or partnerships even. And I think having that community, you're not able to kind of one, help influence other people and they can't help you unless you're sort of communicating and actually building together. Yeah. I think with what, with, with you, with your business, um, to me as a, like an outsider, as a customer, I guess, a somewhat a customer, <laughs> um, I see you get your community to, to help you with your process a lot. So I see on your Instagram, like you, you post about the different colors, um, all the products that you're going to be releasing. Um, how does that shape your future products or yeah, yeah I mean I, d there, I have an element of what I know I'm going to create and then there is an element that I know that I need input from my customers as well so I mean there's a fine line I think between have you created a product that hasn't sold and I have done that too by going to the community and just asking them what they want and then I've given them what they want and then that just hasn't sold and I'm yeah. like ah oh, damn it you know so there is there's that's what I mean by there's the fine line between knowing gut feel knowing what what the market needs also historically looking at your data looking at what sells and what people need listening to your customer listening to your market and um, making a good judgment and gauge based on that as well so for me I kind of know what sells now very well in the business is where the first like I said 18 months it was very much you know put your finger in your and just kind of hope for the best also yeah. I am a tall person too 
too. So I am the target market. It's like, I know what I struggle with. I know what I need. And I've got a fairly good sense of fashion, I think, you know, that's been able to excel me into this world and this into this arena. And so I think for me, it's, yeah, I, I kind of have quite a clear product plan around what I'm going to create. And then I just get the influence and the input around mainly colours, mainly a few styles here and there. Um, but yeah, just to see what colours other people are looking for, you know, because sometimes what works for me, it doesn't work for somebody else at all. Um, and I just really have to gauge that from from socials, really. And that's kind of where and also it's fun, you know, it's fun for them to see and be a part of the journey. And I'm very much about user content, you know, and actually engaging with my customers, making sure that they're part of my journey with me, because without them, I really wouldn't be here. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's so nice. <laughs> I think community is definitely something like huge for when you start a business. Of yeah. course, you're going to try to provide for um, your audience, which is pretty much your whole business because yeah. it is such a niche um yeah business it's and also yeah. so global too I mean mm. as I'm I'm still quite small in the grand scheme of things but at the same time I've got such a big reach and I kind of it's hard to explain that to a lot of people in business because most people are like no we're just focusing on Victoria or we're just going to do Sydney and the greater outside of Sydney and I'm like my business is literally like 28 countries yeah you know my reach is so big and so vast and I think that's kind of what is exciting about the business for me is, you know, sometimes I've, I can touch and reach somebody in a whole different country that I'm like, wow, I was so unaware, you know, that my story was just showing up or the influence that I have as well. Gosh, I've got some amazing stories around, you know, how I've helped and what I've gone on and done with the business and just being a presence and being somebody who's very confident, you know, to be tall, not shy to wear heels, loving my height and just owning everything that I've got. You know, I think that really particularly around for my community goes hand in hand with my business. And yeah, just some of the stories that I've got or that I've been told, you know, the influence and the impact that I've made to somebody's life is is phenomenal. And I think that is what keeps me in business. And yeah. that's certainly what keeps me going in business is when through the tough days is like, you just never know how much you're helping somebody. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And there is an element that I can see and that I'm told about, but then there's other elements that show up later on in life and you're just like, wow, I just was I just was unaware that I've helped you in your business or, you know, by doing and yeah, you know, and like pushing through the difficult times, like have been inspiration for you or yeah, just just being that kind of that business presence I think really is quite transformational for a lot of people. Yeah. I think it's definitely a body positive uh, business. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> would yeah. you ever reach out to like taller men or would you ever do tall men apparel? I'd love to. I mean, I've got yeah. brothers. I come from like a family of boys, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all super tall. And they're always like, now, when are you going to be doing jeans for us? Because <laughs> <laughs> your jeans are like one of the most favourite like <laughs> products you have. It is. Yeah, they sell like hotcakes. I think yeah. just because I've got one of the best jean manufacturers like in the world, I really sourced hard for that. And, um, yeah, as a result, I want to definitely go into men's, but I think just if I can get more help eventually and maybe, you know, try and put a bit more budget. I mean, it's so hard. I mean, anybody that goes into any kind of product development, there's so many categories to consider. And it's not just categories. It's also, you know, sizing range as well. So it's like people are like, why don't you just go into like 
super super plus size or like you know do smaller sizes and I'm like you do realize that even creating just five products the minimum quantity just for that just for those five SKUs is massive yeah and then to do like another sort of like 10 or 15 just to cater for everybody is colossal in price and you have to be making sure you're actually definitely selling it and then the same with if I was to do that replicate that for men as well I mean I could potentially use the same um fabric but then it's just doing this different sizes and you have to pay for every all the samples all the sizing samples and it just becomes like this massive beast of, of a business which 100% all up for but I think it's just taking you know kind of baby steps to get there it's either sometimes you can go grow too big and I've seen that with companies too and um, you just you kind of lose sight about what you're trying to do so for me at the moment it's very much empowerment female business um, but eventually yeah why not I'd love to sort of expand into all sorts and everything you know it could I mean the height of fashion covers height yeah you know it could go into a whole different lot of different aspects too and I have a lot of um, petite ladies come and say to me when are you going to be doing <laughs> short stuff you know yeah there's, it, there's huge scope but for me at the moment my key focus for the next year or two or a couple of years is definitely still just the female tall female um and just yeah my, my target market basically yeah amazing um and besides providing for potentially tall men are there any other goals that you hope to reach for because I have heard you got the approval um to um go international Mm -hmm. so yeah tell us about that congratulations thank you thank you all came out the blue so I applied last year and I actually totally forgot I applied. Like I was like, oh, yeah. And I kind of, I've got a friend, not a friend, but like I've got a, a contact of mine that helps me with some uh, like bits and pieces of funding that are worthwhile, particularly for the business, like for growth plans and stuff. And um, he reached out last year. He's like, no, you should definitely apply. Your business is such a big international market that you should absolutely. I was like, yeah, okay, why not? And it took us ages to apply because it completely changed last year. So, um, yeah, the export grant basically is com- a complete change and everybody as a result applied for it. And he was like, honestly, you've got 50-50 chance of like, getting this. Wow. Just because he's like, there's so many people applying. He's yeah. like, they've completely reduced the funding. And, yeah, as a result, it's basically swamped the grant market. And so he's like, don't have too many hopes, but we'll we'll see what happens. We'll apply. And usually they take like four to six weeks to get back to you and let you know. But obviously it's been like six months and I just kind of assumed nothing had happened. Um, didn't hear anything back. And then all of a sudden got the call in the week. And they're like, yeah, we've completely approved it. It's all gone through. And I'm like, what? Oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah. So it just came out of the blues, which is amazing. But yeah, as a result, it means I can then focus a bit more onto the international markets um, just to expand the business. It's marketing, not product, though, which is um, the difference. I think a lot yeah. of people who don't understand this world of international expansion it's and what you can get from grants, It's it, there's a key focus on what you can spend the money on. Um, yeah, so for me, it's just growing, like, marketing, awareness, um, and just getting sort of the brand name out there, really, in, into some bigger international markets, which will really help, obviously, then get m- new customers and expand as well. And it's a niche that you can't really measure too much. You can to some degree, but you can't, not the same way that you can with other businesses, just because there's no sort of real quantifiable data on heights. You know, there is a tiny bit, like, on... Um, medical records and stuff but there's not it's not like you can just go to Facebook which has all of the data around the world and be like right this is how much of the segment we can own it's not like that so I'm having to sort of really just push the marketing in lots of different avenues and areas and work out what works and then try and you know grasp and grow it in in the, in the channels that I know definitely work yeah 
And what's good about that is that you already have an audience internationally. Yeah, 100%. Um, and that's already – you've got one foot <laughs> through the door. Yeah. Which is great. Um, would you ever move your business elsewhere? Because you do have family overseas. So is it hard to kind of balance yeah, your family <laughs> and then living in Australia with your business? Yeah, definitely. I think I th- think as I started the business just – kind of on a whim here um and then all of a sudden I was like well, wow I've actually got a fully fledged international business what the hell <laughs> like, <laughs> but good on you like that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is amazing but it's, yeah. I think it was only during COVID that it just kind of hit a little bit I was like wow I'm actually kind of stuck in Australia a tiny bit not uh, to a certain degree and I think this is again a misconception around you you create an online business and that's it. You can move anywhere. I'm like, yes, to some degree, no to the others because you've got to look after products. You know, you still have a fulfillment centre. You still have a warehouse to manage and um, not being in a country around that makes it very difficult. Is possible, 100% is. And I've seen it happen and I know it's absolutely possible and there's, I, I can talk about limiting beliefs and, not, and whatnot, but we'll kind of keep that for maybe another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's just kind of managing what you can manage like in a growth period of a business. Um, and I think for me, if I was to ever move somewhere, it would probably be either back to the UK or even America. I think America's pretty much where my growth model is. I've always said that and I've always seen that. Um, and maybe that might be the place in the future. I don't know. Or it might even be a case where I have a couple of fulfillment centers around the world. You know, that's that's kind of the bigger goal and the vision to then be able to just basically hop on a plane at any point at any given time and grow teams and grow product in multiple different countries. And I think that's kind of where I'd, that's a vision for, for me. Um, internationally anyway and not necessarily just be stuck in one country just growing it here although it absolutely works here but I know it also absolutely absolutely works elsewhere you know and I think that is the hardest thing about the niche and the best thing about the niche the hardest thing is um, well the best thing is I've defined the niche the hardest thing is you know there isn't that much competition or the competition I do have is very, very big, you know, and I'm competing with um, prices, I'm competing with quality and I'm competing with mass, mass volume as where for me, I can't compete on those prices the same way. You know, you're talking about Amazon, you know, ASOS who literally just churn out products like there's no tomorrow. And that's the, that's the hardest part about being the niche is competing with that as where the best thing as well is nobody does it that well. And that's kind of, I think, where my unique selling point is and why I, I really do focus on quality, why I focus on um, my customer and really making sure that, that um, they're being heard and that I'm helping them and they're getting what they need to, you know, feel amazing and look amazing and, you know, want to want to be part of my business and want to be part of my be part of sort of my community. Yeah, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, would you have any advice for starting an e-commerce business then oh god especially in a niche in a um, niche business yeah yeah I mean how do you how do you even find the niche you know I guess in your instance it's it's quite obvious but how (laughs) would you how would you I guess give that advice to find it um I think it's just working out what it is that makes you tick you know I think a lot of people go off piste in their purpose and their understanding that understanding their values you know and I think that is very home. That's very close to home, rather. Um, and a lot of people, I always say this. I'm like, what is it that gives you the most joy? Like, what is it? What's the things that 
every single day you love doing and you lose time in and it gives you energy to do again. Usually it's around those things that's your purpose and you're like, oh my God, that's actually what I could do. You know, it's it, it, you can do any business. Honestly, you can sell anything if you're good at it. If you're good at what you're doing and you find your customer and you give them what they need. You know, there's a reason why there's like 5,000 different bio pens. You know, that's a reason why there's like... 10 different milk companies yep. you know it's it's you're still selling the same product but it's the product that the customer wants it's the branding behind it it's the messaging behind it it's like what your ethics what you're trying to build and there's so much more to um a product a brand a service and then just obviously plonking on a website and then be like hoping for people to come and buy it there's so much to e-commerce you know it's it's not just the website structure it's not just the marketing it's not just the branding it's not just the product the service whatever you're doing it's a collection a collection it's like holistically like looking at the whole thing overall and it's having that umbrella um you know, approach and the Omnicom approach as well, making sure that everything that you're doing has the same message across everything, you know, no matter what channel you're using, if it's Instagram, if it's Facebook, if it's email, if it's video, like whatever you're doing, you're kind of pushing the same kind of message or, and it all kind of ties back together as well. So that's probably one of the biggest pieces of advice that I could for anybody like looking at going into an e-commerce space yeah um, and just making sure that you love what you do you know I know 100%. so many people that set up companies and businesses and be like yeah I'm just going to buy a product from China and you know drop ship it into into um e-com like format or a Shopify website and then they don't realize actually how much goes on behind it you know the marketing that goes behind the SEO that does you do you know, the uh, fulfillment side of things, the customer service, there's so many different aspects of e-com. And I think coming back to my point earlier, it's not just it, this perception of it's like it's all online, you can work from wherever. Sure, to some degree, yeah, but not entirely. You know, you have to be on the same time zone often for your customer. Mm. Um, you have to get back to them straight away. And there's just sort of different things you can set up. Absolutely, you can optimize it and systemize any business. Um, and I've done that for a lot of bigger companies. But yeah, definitely, I think it's just about being strategic in your approach. And coming back to your why, why have you, why are you setting up a business? Like what, why do you want to set up a business? Is it just to make money or is there a bigger purpose and yep. value add and legacy behind what you're doing as well? Yeah, that's a really good piece of advice <laughs> if you're starting an e-commerce business. <laughs> Come chat to me. <laughs> Come chat to Natalie. <laughs> and going on that, like um, you were pretty fortunate enough to you know, learn these type of back-end processes in your previous jobs. When did you get to that point of like, part of fashion is um, my full-time job? Uh, it took me about two years, if I'm honest. I think it was around that sort of two-year mark. Um, and it kind of was quite serendipitous about it, really. I was made redundant from a job. So the company that was, I was the e-com company that I was working for, I kind of reduced my hours. I'd gone down to like two, no, I'd gone down to four days a week and was like looking after the first sort of, I think it was about the first year, I was like, I said something like, this business is actually starting to have a bit of traction behind it. And I want to put a bit of emphasis on it. And I didn't tell them I actually set up the business at all. I just one day done it. And like, all of a sudden, I just launched it. And I was like, so I've set up this company. like you've done what they literally I kid you not I literally I was so stressful I'd gone live so I'd gone just back to the UK got all the products sent over put it all into my share house and then <laughs> launched it and obviously there's so much to like launching a business you know all sorts of different bits and pieces and building the website building an email list and marketing it and whatnot and yes yeah, so I'd gone live and launched it and then like on the Monday I'd come to, come to work 
And they'd all seen this on my social media because oh. I hadn't known that they were like, what the hell? Nah. Like, they're like, when did you go, start this business? I was like, yeah, I've been wanting to do it for a while. And they, I think they just expected it to be like one product as opposed to like these fully on like full collection. <laughs> I just, I, it wasn't, I don't know why I did it that way. I think I just was a bit scared because like when you're working for somebody else, you're, you don't want to be seen as a perception of like you're not giving it your all. Yeah. And I think that was kind of part and parcel of it. But then, like, in hindsight now, they're like, they were super proud. And as a result, I'll be honest with you, it completely transformed my learning curve. You know, yeah. I, it went from sort of knowing and being expert to exponentially being an, an absolute, like, highly, highly skilled, absolutely know everything in ins and outs of, like, the whole econ world overnight, basically. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say that definitely helped. And I've totally forgotten the questions. <laughs> Sorry. I've got on a tangent No, you, you answered it. It was... <laughs> I guess, I, yeah, going on that, like, um, now that it's been a few years <laughs> since starting, um, have have you ever thought about sewing down or are you just getting started? I kind of, no, I, I love business. I think you guys yeah. know that. I and mean, even with my social, I'm such a business yeah. girl. I love it. Like, anything and everything. And I have to, this is kind of my downfall is because I get involved. Everyone's like, ask me questions. I'm like, oh, yeah, we could do this, this and this and this. My brain just works in a real business sense. Like, it, it sees opportunity. And I always look at that. And I think, for me, not slowing down at all, I think my business will probably eventually evolve more into being more community-led being and I like I'm such a problem solver like I get to the core problems of a lot of issues and even with high fashion you know understanding a lot of the problems about being tall um, and it is coming down to like shames guilts fears you know not fitting in not feeling you're kind of loved there's a lot of sort of like empathy emotion thoughts feelings that go on behind a lot of that in the business too and so whilst my business absolutely caters and it covers, um, you know, feeling empowered, feeling empowered, looking great, feeling great. Um, there's a kind of underlying core problems that I really want to address, you know, with a lot of people. And a lot of that stems from, you know, childhood. A lot of that goes into psychology. Um, and that's kind of where I want to see the business go a little bit further, just into a bit more wellness, a bit more sort of holistic you know, education as well and understanding why you think the way you think, you know, how to reframe, rewire, rework things um, and just to kind of live your best life, really. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people live by limiting beliefs. A lot of people kind of stay stuck in their sort of mindsets and just believe that they're not amazing. They can't become amazing. They can't do anything because of like their stature, like their heights, even for higher fashion, but just like even a much bigger world. And I think that's kind of where, you know, I'd like to do a bit more in the empowerment space for particularly for tall women. Um, eventually down the, down the line. So no, is the answer just no. <laughs> just You're just getting started. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and just to finish it off, where do you see yourself going? Like going in five years, I guess with the approval um, to expand internationally, that's obviously helped for your future goals. But are there any other goals you hope to achieve? Gosh, yeah. I mean, I, I do see me as being a massive business girl. Like I see me being a huge entrepreneur throughout the world. On lots of different areas, you know, I, I see kind of see high fashion really growing exponentially from a product point of view and internationally, for sure. But then again, really growing that community space as well and actually doing a lot, like I said, in, in sort of mindset. I'd love to write a book. I'd love to kind of have, you know, put the podcast together, all sorts of different things and, and become a sort of an influential person to kind of really help transform a lot of people's lives. Um, and that's kind of spans a lot of different areas and probably across a lot of different products. So, yeah, to be honest with you, no, I, I see I've got big goals for myself that I want to do. And yeah. I've got big achievements as well. And I, I, I honestly see, you know, 
as a person, you're born with so much influence and you're born with so much opportunity. And it's up to you to carve that and find that for yourself. And for me, I'm just that person. I'm just such a driven, why not type of person. Yeah. Like, absolutely go for it and just live, you know, like I said, live your best life and and do everything you want to do. You know, if you're be, you're uniquely designed with your dreams and your visions and what makes your heart flutter. So I just think go and explore it. You know, it's unique to yourself. And we might as well kind of really try and become that, like that version of you want to, that you believe you can be and you want to be and just following that path. Oh, good on you. <laughs> I'm like so proud of you. <laughs> no, I'm, I think we're all here at Click. We're all so excited to see um, you blossom uh-huh. even more because you already have blossomed um, and hopefully one day take over one of our, one of our big units. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that'd be amazing. And just keep growing and growing and growing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah take over the whole place. Yeah. It'd be like Carrie, so I'm taking over Click. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm he sure he'd love that. that. Yeah, he would love that. <laughs> oh my god! Well, um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming onto our podcast. No, it's been so much fun. Thank yes. you for interviewing me. No, it's been, that's okay. It's been so easy to do this interview with you. Yeah, no, it's lovely to um, finally get to sit down, chat, yes. um, go over things because you're honestly such an inspiration to so oh, many gosh. and. Yeah, I think the advice you have shared is definitely going to inspire someone. So oh, cute. Hopefully. Thank you. And um, I'll see you soon for our community lunch. Yes. Ooh, <laughs> for some <lovely>. food. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Want to know more about where Natalie Matthews runs her business? Click Collective is a warehousing and co-working space built around the needs of an e-commerce community. On site, we have spaces for your warehouse, office, showroom, logistics, and a photography space. So we're a one-stop shop to run your business. You can head to our website to know more at clickcollective.com.au or check out our Instagram at Click Collective.